You like that new intro? It's nice. <laughs> it's pretty nice, isn't it? Mm. Welcome everyone to the Legit Cool Podcast Movie Talk. I am River and I'm joined by JC. He's back. It's been a long time since you've been here. When was the last time you were here? I have forgotten. Was it, uh, it wasn't even Obi-Wan. It was Book of Boba Fett, I believe. Oh, yeah, it was. Well, that actually wasn't that long ago. Feels like a long time it was like what six months because we haven't done an obi-wan <clears throat> and we haven't done an obi-wan we haven't we haven't even done a moon knight one we're being a little bit slack i think yeah with the marvel series but we're we're all really really busy um and you know nate that normally jumps on the podcast as well especially with the marvel series and um star wars series like it's it's kind of it's incomplete if it's just me, because <laughs> um, I remember Nate saying to me like, "Oh, you should just keep doing like episodes, um, like just just yourself, the same way that you used to do." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's it's not the same when when you and JC isn't here." So, I mean, even today, like we we wanted to do this with uh, Nathan, but he's he's pretty busy today, so it's just me and JC. We're gonna kill this review. Um, be really interesting to see <laughs> see what we both think because because I think I do I do understand where you're coming from with your first impression when I asked you what do you think of this movie um, I think you definitely know where I come from but it's going to be fun and exciting to try and um, uh, pull apart and really look at the details of uh, what we thought about this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it so thor love and thunder thor love and thunder this is the 29th film can you believe we're this far in 29th film not keeping track um, but everything's a blur nowadays is it a little bit blurry yeah phase four phase four um (laughs) because it's it's the 29th film but it's is it what what entry is it uh oh because now we're adding... I didn't have that in my notes, man. Gosh. <laughs> throw you off right <laughs> Don't <now>. test me. <laughs> Don't test me. Um, okay. So let's let's count how many TV shows we've got. Uh, WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Loki. Um, Loki. Uh, I, I feel like we're forgetting something here and we should be on top of it. <laughs> forgetting. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. So that's five. We have Moon Knight. Um, Moon Knight, six. Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, seven. And there's an eighth, which is, um, oh, I'm having a mind blank. The animated series, the one that you have oh, watched. Oh, what if? What do you mean? I have watched <laughs> what it. I have watched it. What if? What if? What if? Yeah. Um, so, eight. Okay. Eight? Am I missing anything? No. No, that sounds about right. I'm not missing anything, right? No. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, um, eight, yeah, I guess including um, this. So, you know, we're close to... Like almost forty entries mm. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This being the twenty ninth film, this is Thor's fourth film, and he is the only MCU character to ever have four films. Um, yeah, four solo films, and so he's he's on his way to beating Robert Downey Jr. in the amount of uh, appearances that he has in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
Um, and this is in this movie, they had a slightly bigger budget compared to Ragnarok as well. So Ragnarok had like, um, I think their budget was just under 200 million and Thor love and thunder comes in at 250 million. Mm. What did they do with that money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Starting the shade already. Eh? Gosh. Um, uh, they're currently they're actually doing okay, I guess. You know, just within four days, they've grossed about forty eight point six million worldwide. It's a huge, uh, um, it's a huge downside compared to Ragnarok's opening, which was one hundred twenty three million, um, which is pretty interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, it's it's such a big disparity. I don't know what the cause of that would be. Maybe Ragnarok was was part of that whole run up to infinity war so you know the the hype and the energy for mcu fans and also like non-mcu fans that were just really into watching these movies is the, maybe that's part of the reason why it did so well in the opening is the 48.6 uh us or global uh us <laughs> yeah so it seems a little bit disappointing compared to ragnarok but you know, we'll see if um, Love and Thunder has legs the same way that Ragnarok did, because Ragnarok went on to earn uh, 853 million worldwide. Mm. Um, it didn't quite reach the billion dollar club, but it did pretty well. It really outperformed its budget, obviously, and I think it outperformed its expectations. Um, I actually have never asked you, did, what did you think of Ragnarok? Oh, it was enjoyable. Like, I think when you look at the previous iterations of Thor and how he was introduced into the MCU and then followed up with the Dark World, they just, it was not, uh, like, of course, it had its moments of, of comedy and humor, but it just was very dull for his character. And I think Ragnarok was a great um, refresher on the character and on uh, the approach. Are you saying... Um... Uh, Dark World and the first Thor movie was quite dull for his character. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, you're introducing Thor, um, but then to reinvent or refresh the whole take on, on his character, I think was was definitely a good thing to do. And the kind of uh, Taika's um, vision was uh, quite quirky, and I think it was executed well. You know, it could have it flopped. Mm. It could have been real bad, but I think it was done really well. Um, and I guess that's why they gave him the green light to do Love and Thunder. Sure, yeah. Um, I I didn't mind Ragnarok. I didn't love it the same way that the vast majority of people loved Ragnarok. Like the general consensus for Ragnarok was super positive. It has like a eighty plus percent, I think, uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes, both audience and critics. Um, but I. I liked and enjoyed Ragnarok. I didn't love it. Uh, there's, I have some issues with like um, the direction they're taking the character, which we'll get more into when we review Thor: Love and Thunder. But yeah, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I did like some of the humor that he's adopted, like sort of brand new humor that he's adopted compared to what he was in the first and second, and even all the other subsequent films. The, the films that he's that's not his own solo film, you know. So um, yeah, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It was definitely welcomed with a really positive reception. And so that's obviously why they greenlit a fourth Thor movie. Mm. Partly that, partly also because there is another journey that they want to take Thor on. Mm. And I think this has also got to do with um, Chris Hemsworth's 
request to perhaps continue a slightly different journey with the character because he wasn't you know he wasn't always impressed with where the character was going after the second film mm. um so he you know he was always vocal about the first and second film being quite a dead end for his character mm. in terms of excitement and enjoyment although he never really spoke about how his characters were dealt with in the avengers um yeah i guess just just the avengers films because i think him in the avengers films is pretty awesome i think what the directors done with him in uh, the first avengers was pretty good you know joss whedon dealing with that character mm. he had this quirky um a little bit unintelligent uh, humor to him <laughs> but that's just because he's not familiar with the world itself yeah and that kind of naturally makes him funny um and then what the russo brothers did with him in infinity war and endgame um however you know with this new direction of comedy um in thor love and thunder it's kind of turned up to like a hundred <laughs> this new comedy so yeah um let's 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 dive into this so this this movie is obviously directed by Taika Waititi again. It has a runtime of an hour and 59 minutes. So super, super short. I don't know what Marvel's gameplay here is with making all their um, major properties two hours or less. You know, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness was two hours. Um, uh, except for Spider-Man. I guess Spider-Man was like two and a half hours or something like that, two, 240. Yeah, but do you want the average person to have to sit through a two hour plus movie because that gets a bit of a slug and and i know like mm-hmm. on a segue that cameron james cameron is is um having a dish at everyone saying that he sh- they sh- people shouldn't complain when avatar 2 comes out because it's going to be like three hours long because people can sit through you know a whole season of stranger things in one sitting but <laughs> you know at the same time he's got a point he's got a point he's got, yeah he has a point but at the same time like does every movie need to be that long? Like, I get if they got the character development or the story that they need to play out, sure. But I don't think every movie has. But I would definitely agree and say that if there's a movie that's only ninety minutes, then they're not really doing enough with it. Because I almost feel like mm-hmm. the new norm is like two hours, not hour and a half. Hmm. The yeah, I, I think the the standard keeps changing. Um, I'm. I'm never really one to say that this is the right runtime and this is the incorrect runtime. I'm always, I'm more of the kind that if a story requires a three hour runtime or a four hour runtime, then it requires a four hour runtime. Mm. If a story requires 90 minutes, then it requires 90 minutes. Mm. But, um, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, like it really suffered from the really short runtime. Mm. They tried to do a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of things that they didn't quite explore, i.e. like multiversal stuff, because mm. we ended up just staying in two universes. No, so it wasn't really multiverse of madness. It should have been called dual universe of madness. <laughs> <laughs> we only stayed in universe 838 and 616. Mm. Um, so, you know, that could have definitely done with a longer runtime. And I think with Thor Ragnarok, oh, sorry, Thor Love and Thunder, this is a movie that really needed two and a half hours at least at least i would have been happy if they stretched it out to 245 because they introduce a lot of big concepts there's a lot of big ideas Mm. that they introduce and also some powerful relationships that they introduce that required like so much of that screen time so 
just while we're on this topic, because I know if I ask it later, it's not, probably not going to fall back into the same line. But <laughs> what would you okay. say uh, Thor, Love and Thunder suffered with and where could they, which parts of the story would they or should they have expanded with? Um, the relationship between Thor and Jane Foster. Mm. I think that's something that they could have held on to a lot more and expanded a lot more because I felt like it was so rushed. Mm. I think they they highlighted a lot of the key parts of them um, being in a relationship and how valuable their relationship mm. is, but it was it was very montagey. It was very much like, mm. all right, let's just go through this moment and we're going to spend only about five minutes just going through how valuable their relationship is. So it's a it's a good piece of exposition for someone who doesn't understand mm. the relationship between Jane and Thor, but it is a huge leap to make us – it is a huge leap for us to think that by the time we get to the end of the film, that's where their relationship ended. Mm. And we know how that relationship ended. There's There's a little bit of like – there's some loss, there's continued trauma with the character, but it's it's a huge leap from how they start the film, how they reconnect, meet with each other. It's a surprise for both of them, mm. um, especially for Thor, because he didn't know that Jane was around. Or he, didn't, he, he knows that Jane is around, but he didn't think that Jane was going to appear mm. um, to him in, in, in that kind of way. Um, and then to go through all that, it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's only about ten or fifteen minutes mm. of them being together, and it's it's quite quick. It's very much sort of pushed through just to say, hey, we're ticking the box of of Thor and Jane are in a relationship, and or they're trying to rekindle the relationship, and this is the past because you know a lot of it is spent in the past. Like, what were they doing in their relationship? Is sort of the unseen, um. Yeah, unseen scenes, mm. you know, uh, that we haven't seen before. Because, uh, you know, no, all that montage stuff, they obviously filmed it for the sake of the film, but it's it's all based in the past. Mm. So it's it was very quick, quick and very rushed. And um, that's a de- area that they definitely could have developed. Another area is also Gore, Gore's story. Um, I think I really love his story, his motivation behind what he wants to do. This film was very believable. It's a very tragic story that he has, been, and, and he didn't have enough screen time. Anytime that he wasn't in the film, I really missed him. I was like, okay, when's Gore back? Because <laughs> mm. I really want to see him. Because I'm not really a fan of what's going on right now in the film. I really want to see more and more of Gore. So that's something they could have explored more. The other thing, the other part they could develop more is Jane's story, her having... Uh, this is a spoiler cast, by the way, <laughs> if anybody didn't pick that up. I mean, I'll have it in the show notes as well. Uh, but this is a complete spoiler cast, so I'm going to just talk about spoilers from now on. Um, she has cancer in this film, and cancer is such a it's such a very serious, deep, and devastating topic, right? Mm. And she kills it in her performance um, and delivering this cancer patient uh, idea. And it's it's so dark, and it's so scary and that wasn't really developed enough to the point of thor jumping into that moment because he you know he doesn't actually find out that she has cancer until pretty much like the end of the film and so then it's quite rushed him having to deal with that emotion and then do his part of being like a god and a savior like it's they do it but it's just very very quick mm. so i would have loved that story to be extended a bit more mm. yeah what about you? 
no, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying in the respect of, I think Gore could have been fleshed out a bit more. Um, I think it would have been partially a waste of time to show him killing more and more gods. I think they got that point across quite uh, quickly and, and early. Uh, like I was saying to you before, out of the cast, I wasn't a huge fan of the exposition that through Korg that they that they did, but it d- did give Korg a purpose in the movie to help uh, people who haven't seen the previous movies or any of the other MCU catch up to see what's happening in this movie. So, as you said, being a twenty ninth the twenty ninth film in the series, it, it allows people to play catch up without having to do too much work. And I was just watching an interview with uh, Hemsworth and Taika on. What was that TV show called on Channel 10? Uh, is it The Project? Or it's one of those talk shows. And then he talks about how he's lazy to... Probably The Project. Hmm? Probably The Project. Probably The Project. And uh, he, he talks about how he's lazy to catch up on, on other uh, entries in the series because he just wants to do his own. Is that what Taika said? That's what he said. Whether he's being serious or not, that's that's another <laughs> thing. Because even they were going to ask, he goes, oh, wow. even with Star Wars, I can't be bothered watching or I'm too lazy to watch all the things and read all the books. Like he kind of just wants to take it as it is and know what he has to do and, and take it in his own way. So I'm paraphrasing. That seems a little bit disrespectful, wouldn't you say? Uh, I guess it depends. Like uh, you can still have some knowledge of the universe that you're in and still create something completely different without mm. being limited by what you already know. And I think that's where some uh, visionaries might get trapped in to saying that the fans know this and want this, and you're either feeding into them or you're going completely against them. Um, mm. And what the end result is, is, uh, you know, it's hit or miss. But, um, mm. yeah, um, I think, you know, I did see a comment saying from someone else that they wasted gore. Um, or Bale, I should say. Um, I don't know if he would have been a, a character that you could have kept for more than one entry. Look, it's plausible, um, but obviously there's a bigger bad coming that hopefully will get him mentioned eventually. I mean, all we know is Kang, but nothing's really happening, and we probably won't see anything of him until Quantumania. So, I guess yeah. what, you know, the, the Necrosword being in, in the movie was a, a bit of a, a shock. So, you know, <laughs> they could have explained a little bit of that about, you know, its history. You know, if it was really created in the MCU, is Null around or does this allow for Null to to be part of the MCU? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, the the um, Necrosword, actually, it's yeah, it's got a big connection to... Uh, Black Knight's story as well. Mm, Ebony Blade. I believe. Mm. Yeah, the Ebony Blade. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that they can, we can as, as audience members and fans can allude to for for whatever those, um, whatever we see in this movie or any MCU film for that matter, there's always going to be nuggets mm. of, um, you know, what's like Easter eggs that could lead to something that's related to something in the comics yeah. and do they do it in the MCU or do they not? Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think um, that that is my favorite part of the film is Gore the God Butcher because mm. um, I think he just kills it in his performance. Mm. And Jane, I think Jane, um, Natalie Portman really killed her performance. She really committed to her being a weak uh, cancer patient and it was very, very believable. And mm. I wanted to feel something and, uh, for other reasons, which I'll explain later, <laughs> mm. I couldn't quite get into the emotion of these characters in some of these scenes. Mm. 
So, Thor embarks on a brand new journey unlike anything he's ever faced. A quest for inner peace. Now, okay, wait. Has he has he not already tried to embark on this kind of quest for inner peace? Would you say that this is a this statement is a bit cap, or would you say? Um, well, I mean, we maybe he has, and we haven't really seen it. But considering, I think, and that's what, admittedly, this is where the exhibi- exposition plays in, where they talk about all the losses he's faced and mm. how he's dealt with it. You know, by obviously, mm. uh, you know, putting on weight and not, you know, caring. But then, uh, you know, now that he's kind of found that that yep. sort of resolution or resolve, now he's got that time and, and place to be able to do that after um, Endgame. Yeah. So, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just thought that he was on the quest for inner peace, even though we, it wasn't so obvious to us and so not so obvious to him. Um, that quest sort of started an end game, but maybe I'm just like, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm just thinking beyond myself, and that's not true. Mm. However, <laughs> his retirement gets interrupted by Gore the God Butcher, a galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods. To combat the threat, Thor enlists the help of King Valkyrie, Korg, and ex girlfriend Jane Foster, who is, to his surprise, inexplicably wields his magical hammer. Together they set out a harrowing cosmic adventure to uncover the mystery of the God Butcher's vengeance. So, of course, it's starring Chris Evans again. Chris Evans? Chris Evans, man. Oh. What? what? Chris Hemsworth? I want to slap you upside the head. <laughs> I know, right? So out of touch. Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. Tessa Thompson as King Valkyrie. Jamie Alexander as Sif. She's in it for like five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and Taika Waititi as Core again, and Russell Crowe is playing Zeus. Uh, and sorry, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, aka Muddy Thor. So, you know how this goes. First impressions of the entire film. Give us your best first impressions, and then we'll get into the recap and start to pull apart this film. Okay, I'm just going to give you two words enjoyable and funny. Um,. That's actually three words. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking, you know, like after Doctor Strange, that I was a little bit angry around Marvel's sort of writing and where they're going, and I thought they could do better. And I and I did ask people who had seen this if this was better than Doctor Strange two, and most of them said that um, they did enjoy it. And I said, okay, well, I'll give it. I'll, I, I said to myself, I'm going to go in and enjoy this movie, and I did. Um, it's not perfect. It can have done better, but I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't walk out angry. Um, I think the only thing I was angry about was the post and mid credits, like the stingers are not seeming to lead anywhere currently, but I'm sure we're going to find out more about that when SDCC San Diego comic con comes out at the end of this month. Um, I'm excited for SDCC. Mm, but I'm actually more excited for SDCC and D24, D23, D24, D23, D23. D23, D23, more so than <laughs> Thor, Love, and Thunder. D23, D24, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, it's all the same. Um, I don't know. I'm losing my mind. Yeah. No, uh, look, I-, I think Bale did a really, really good job playing uh, Gore. And 
you know, he had that menacing, creepy, like creepy, menacing look, and his performance was, I think, one of his best. Was it better than Batman? Mm, not sure. Um, but I still, I still definitely enjoyed him as a villain. Um, there was a sense or, or feeling of urgency that, you know, he was quite menacing and evil. Um, not to the, not to the, not in the same way that someone like Thanos was, but, um, generally, genuinely someone to be feared. I, I didn't feel like, um, um, I think a lot of people were saying that, you know, Valkyrie didn't get a lot of screen time, but, you know, I think she still played her part as a support, uh, in this film. Um, yeah, it was a little bit disjointed. I'll, I'll leave it at that in terms of first first impressions. It wasn't um it wasn't a train wreck, but I still had fun watching it, and I think that's important to remember because I knew that going into this, this was a Taika Waititi film, and there was definitely elements of that. And if you haven't seen any of his other work outside of Ragnarok, um, that's what you need to see to help you, I guess, understand his vision and his direction with this film. Hunt for the Wilder People, great movie. Mm. Mm. That's it. Very, very good. Yeah. First impressions right. for you. I didn't like it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> See, yeah. we'll see. Good dog. Um, Gosh. All right, go on. Um, yeah. I didn't like it. And I'm really disappointed. Really disappointed that I didn't like it. Because, uh, you know, I'm I'm a Marvel fan. I'm a Marvel nerd just like you and just like many of the other MCU fans that show up on opening night, we're all big nerds and we're, we're rooting for Marvel films to be awesome. We're rooting for them to be great. Um, we, we no longer sort of settle for Marvel films just being okay. Mm. Like that's just not a standard. That's just not, we, we hold Marvel films to a high expectation, a high degree of expectation because we have every reason to, because they've done so well with all their Marvel content up until maybe phase four <laughs> mm. that um you know we've we've been blessed with um having such a great infinity saga um and you know the the road ahead like the road beyond the infinity saga was always going to be difficult in terms of how do we now create new content how do we now create new sets of expectations how do we now create fresh ideas and fresh content and so i think doing a fourth Thor movie was always going to be an uphill battle, even though it's coming off of a hugely successful franchise mm-hmm. and even a hugely successful uh, sequel. So even given those things that there's just so, so much Marvel content now, uh, it's going to be hard to kind of up the stakes, up the tension, up the expectations. And, you know, I can, I can totally understand how difficult this would be. However, like I said before, I I didn't love Ragnarok, but I liked it. I enjoyed many, many parts of it. But this was really hard to watch. The mm. first fifteen minutes, I I I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't take anything serious in the first fifteen minutes. Um, it was really difficult. I don't think any of the jokes and the humor landed for me. The humor went from what it was in Ragnarok to now some kind of sketch comedy from Saturday Night Live, you know, I couldn't take any of these characters serious. Mm. Um, And it just seems silly and over the top, like 
the humor they had in Ragnarok was fine. They could have just kept that and just evolved that. Now I just think it's completely different and the opposite to what Ragnarok humor was. Mm. <clears throat> Um, I've actually got Ragnarok playing in the background and like while I'm kind of watching Ragnarok and doing this review, I think I'm liking Ragnarok more and more and I'm appreciating that movie more so than what we have with Love and Thunder. Mm. So really hard to watch in the first 15, especially the first 15, 20 minutes. I love the opening scene mm. with Gore, mm. like the introduction of Gore and his story. Really cool. I love the color palette, the use of um, cinematography in that particular scene. And then, yeah, the first 15 minutes with Thor and Guardians, uh, which we'll get into that whole Guardian scene as well. <laughs> um, it just didn't, it, nothing was connecting. I just didn't understand why they wanted to make this overly humorous um, set of or ensemble of characters. It just didn't make any sense to me. Um, love the gore stuff. Love the uh, Jane Foster stuff. I love the fact that Darcy was in it for a brief moment. <laughs> I wanted to see her more. It was really unfortunate that she was only really in that one scene. Mm. Um, but, you know, when she came on screen, it was like a it was a breath of fresh air. Mm. I was like, oh, Darcy. And, you know, Darcy, Cat um, Jennings, she's just, she has this natural ability to be, like, dry and funny. Mm. And it's so good. Mm. I love it. You know, she has a very short scene with uh, Jane Foster and, um, she just says a couple lines and I just laugh at it. <laughs> it's like I started laughing at that point because, you know, that scene is straight after the opening scene with um, Thor and Guardians. Mm. So I wasn't laughing at all in that whole opening scene. But I just thought it was so silly. And then um, and then when Kat Jennings came into into frame, I was like, whoa, she said she was she was more funny than like any of the silliness that was happening in the beginning. Mm. Um, all the other sort of side characters, you know, Zeus and... Um, Valkyrie, uh, Korg. I don't really enjoy any of these characters, especially Zeus. Didn't enjoy him. Like I think, uh, what like Zeus was almost like the cherry on top of this parody that they've created with Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm. Like he was the he was the butt end of all these kind of silly jokes because you know it's it's not Zeus how we understand him. You know, it's it's an overweight chubby Zeus who's Russell Crowe. <laughs> he doesn't have any seriousness to him. He's got like this kind of strange mockery Australian Greek accent. Did you pick that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just he just sounded like a, a Greek Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> and he was really taking the piss out of it. And then all the actions that he was doing with um, the Thunderbolt, and I was like, this is so, so silly. <laughs> Really, really strange. And that whole scene in Omnipotence that he didn't enjoy, I, th I didn't have any place in the story. Um, I understand why they went there, but I just thought that whole thing was so convoluted and it was just a mess and really kind of silly, especially when you're going to say that one of the gods is a, a dumpling. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, what is this movie? Um, and, yeah, and then, like, the ending was like, meh, okay, sure cringe fight scene with a bunch of kids being Thor. Mm. Didn't really understand why that's even in the film. Mm. <laughs> I get it. The kids are like, had to, they had to be captured. Um, they're stuck in there. So maybe let's give the kids something to do. And like, if that's going to be your final, like that's the final battle scene, in the entire film mm. uh, that just kind of says everything about what the movie is. So it was really unfortunate that it came to that. 
I did love the fact that Eternity's in here. Like, this is kind of a big deal, introducing a character like Eternity. Eternity's mm. a cosmic being, mm. one of the most powerful cosmic beings in the whole Marvel ethos. Um, so I was kind of, like, shocked when they mentioned Eternity. I was like, oh, my God. So this is, like, one of the biggest reveals for me. <laughs> like, they mentioned Eternity. And I wish that, I wish that whole kind of mention of Eternity and then getting into the whole... Um, I think it's uh, I can't remember the name of that place. It's in the comics where it's like the entry into uh, the center of the universe. There's a different name for it as well in the Marvel comics, but it's essentially the center of the universe, or let's say the center of the multiverse. Mm. Um, but that whole kind of hallway, I just felt that it needed some more majesty. It needed some more awe to it. You know, mm. you know the same kind of awe and majesty and fear that we got from. Ashim the Judge in Eternals, mm. you know, that kind of really fearful, powerful being that you know is like, once you see that kind of size, you're like, nah, this is too much power. Mm. I, I just wish that they did that same kind of service for Eternity and that whole hallway sequence. So that was my only little criticism for the Eternity part. But, I mean, it's it's huge mm. that we been introduced Eternity. Um, yeah, and then... That, that's my impression of the film. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. Mm. Um, some things I did like it, like in it, but it's not enough to sort of give it a super positive review. Mm. Yeah. Sad, and it's very, very sad. Well, that's it. That's <laughs> it, folks. We're done now, so we'll catch you later. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done with our review. See you later. Enjoy the movie. <laughs> um, okay, so, so let's just get in the recap so we can actually dive into... Um, the sequences, some of the major plot points, some of the major character moments, um, and let's dive into some of the major character arcs, which is primarily Thor's arc, um, Jane Foster's arc, Gore the God Butcher's arc, and I guess uh, Korg has an arc, if you want to call it that. It's, I mean, it's an attempt of an arc, and it's kind of annoying that it's in the film because it really had no place in it. It just really didn't make any sense, again, for me. But maybe we can talk a little bit, a little bit about that. But let's go through the sections of the film. So Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Mm-hmm. All right. So, just so, <sighs> <sighs> take a breath. All right. Starting with the opening scene, um, it's... After the death of his daughter, his daughter's name is Love, and his pleas for help are ignored by his god, Rapu. Gore is called to the god-killing weapon, the Necrosword, and uses it to kill Rapu, vowing to kill all gods. Now, the the first thing I actually picked up like straight away when this scene happens was, I didn't quite, maybe you you know more about it, and maybe you picked up on it, but I didn't know how he got the necro sword i know it's some kind of airy spirit like but that's all unclear to me did i miss something or so this was mentioned somewhere that um or was it mentioned later in the film no it wasn't mentioned in the film but it is sort of like a sentient weapon much like mjolnir and stormbreaker are so Mm. saying how well i understand how i understand the necro sword from the comics but they didn't really explain how he gets the sword or, or like what initiates the spirit to possess him with the voices or anything like that. Yeah. So from my understanding, and I could be completely wrong, but uh, just how Mjolnir chose Jane, uh, the Necrosword chose Gore. 
Oh, so I that's why it kind of like he didn't get it himself. Like it actually went to his hand. And so the Necro Sword was on that planet that he's on. Yeah, yeah. So that they just uh, that God had just defeated the guy who was trying to kill him, and that's why he was there with the Necro Sword. And because he was trying to kill Gore, Gore reached out to the sword, and then the sword came to him. Okay, okay. I guess that makes sense. It just it just felt unclear to me. But maybe I just wasn't really paying close close attention. I just thought, oh, how did how did we go from him pleading to a god? To then getting the sword, where did the sword come from, and how did how did the voice like possess him with the sword? They just anyway. I guess I just didn't pay. No, no, no. To like it. I, I thought that too, but then yeah, That's there is a bit of an explanation. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, the yeah, this whole opening scene where he's pleading to the gods, I thought it looked really beautiful. I think the texture and the color palette was so nice. Mm. And, and the moment we get into it, you know, this is before the Marvel logo presentation. I was like, awesome, cool. We're getting Gore the God Butcher first, a bit of backstory. This is awesome. Mm. Um, and then it, <laughs> I guess this is their transition into the opening, the, the proper opening scene after the um, Marvel credits, which is Thor and the Guardians on that planet. Mm. Um, but it's just when Gore, uh, Gore gets, like he sees the little paradise in the middle of like the desolate, desert or whatever it yeah, is yeah, right yeah he sees the oasis goes in and then the colors change and i guess this is that transition into what the film eventually becomes mm. but i thought the colors were like way too oversaturated and then the characters that we see and it's <laughs> well there's one main character who is like the god of their their race mm. I, I guess you know and then there's those kind of tree characters or the inanimate object characters around him. Mm. And this is when that kind of like funny, silly humor starts to creep in. Um, but it, it just, it was so interesting because you have Gore, who we now get this first impression and sense that this guy's a serious dude. Mm. You know, he's, he's got this emotional baggage that he's carrying with him. And now he's being possessed with a sword that eventually he uses it to kill that God or whatever it is. Mm. Um, I thought I was like, Oh, this is uh... a, <laughs> interesting <laughs> and then the marvel credits start and then it gets into that whole opening scene with uh, thor and the guardians um with the marvel credits too how did you feel about them using a guitar it was uh, doing the marvel because this is the first time this is the first time they've actually allowed it. yeah changed um the marvel um anthem you can call it right mm. the marvel uh credits anthem they've changed it to a guitar to make it fit in with the whole 90s rock yeah theme i, I didn't mind it i was I, at first i heard it, i was like uh this is different and then i was okay with it you know it didn't sound bad or anything but i think it was just a nice take for you know taika to keep that same theme i did know yeah. uh, miss marvel was in the little uh montage when they showed the screen i don't know if you saw that oh really did they update it yeah they updated it oh, again okay. so she's in there now the only update that i remember seeing is uh moon knight he's like he's on the He's slightly on the end of the characters. Uh-huh. Okay, I missed that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't like impressed <laughs> with the change in the guitar thing because you know usually usually they they don't play the theme song at all and then it's just a different song mm. that that's an overlay, which right. is fine, you know, because they're trying to get you into the mood. Yeah. But this was like a whole veto on the theme because they kept the same theme, but it's just now an electric guitar. Mm. So I was like, uh, I just want the theme just to be the theme. 
why why do you have to do that? Just give us a rock song or something, and <laughs> but don't change the Marvel song. Mm. I give the change. I just thought that was just an interesting thing that popped into my mind. Why do you think he he primarily chose Guns N' Roses? Like, there's a I don't know. I don't. It's it's probably kind of the the really like outlandish, um, no shits given kind of attitude, really grunge rock. Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe he's a fan of Axel. I, who knows? Well, that's, that's <laughs> I, what I don't mean, see like... how. Like, I don't see how that is reconcilable to what Thor was going through. The you know mm. the attempt to develop this new arc with Thor of. Thor going through um, a journey for inner peace. I don't know how this is met with Guns N' Roses' 90s rock. Mm. Like, it's beyond my understanding. I don't know why that's a thing. Mm. Like, welcome to <laughs> it the just jungle. seems so odd. Welcome to the Jungle fit that fight scene with the Guardians quite well. Well, by mm. himself. November Rain was an interesting mm. choice. I mean, it's a great song. I just found that interesting. I think it was used in the final yeah. battle. Which one is the November Rain? What do you mean? Which one's November Rain? <laughs> I'm not very familiar with Guns N' Roses. <laughs> okay, there's a there's a, a band. Oh, welcome to the jungle, and that's about it. Right. Okay. So November Rain's got this uh, great solo. Um, you have to. It's a long song, but it builds up over time. And then when you hear that solo, and that's what they use right in the in the final battle against Gore. So mm. I just found that an interesting so- uh, song choice because the song is quite mellow at the start, but they just seem right. to have chosen this particular. Uh, section of the song for that final battle i found it a bit strange but i would have thought welcome to the jungle might have been a bit more appropriate but they've already used that so yeah but But. also in the in fine sequence uh, between uh him valkyrie and gore they weren't in the jungle you know they were on a dark shadowy planet (laughs) so <laughs> oh, what, so maybe it wouldn't have fit. <laughs> no, no, no. That battle, um, the battle I'm talking about is when it's Thor and Jane. Uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Thor, Jane, and Thor, Thor. and the kids. Yeah, these remember uh, yeah. in there, and I found that to be really strange. Oh, okay. So, but then you got. It would have been cool if they used Queen. <laughs> yeah, nah. But <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have been so fun. But then at the same time, nah. you know, you've got the whole Astrid becoming Axel reference. So why? There's That's right. Of, there's a lot of Guns. I don't know. I, I I I just think it's probably Taika just loving Guns and Roses and loving Axel Rose. Mm. Or maybe and and also maybe Axel Rose just loves the Thor character of Ragnarok. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> but it just doesn't like. I don't see the connection between that kind of theme and what Thor is going through. I just don't see the connection at all. It just makes no sense to me. Mm. Um. So. Um, Thor, when he parts ways with Guardians of the Galaxy, um, after receiving a distress signal from Sif, so this is actually, uh, I'm jumping a little bit here, this is going past the whole opening sequence with um, (laughs) Thor and the Guardians. Let's actually talk about that part, Thor and the Guardians. Mm. This is the only part of the film, or this is the only, yeah, the only part of the film where Guardians is, is featured. So from where we left off of seeing Thor last was in game. He gets into the ship, um, into the Milano with, uh, the guardians and they're now called the Asgardians of the galaxy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they arrive into this planet. What's this planet called, by the way? Do you know what it's called? Ooh. No, I didn't hear called. it. Yeah. 
No. I forgot it all alongside everything else that I wanted to forget. Mm. <laughs> uh, but they're on this kind of other planet because they're there to um, save the races from some other alien race that's attacking them. So it's just another one of those things to show that there's going to be some action to start off the film. Mm. Um, and the Guardians and Thor are there to help them out. Mm. And Thor's like sitting on a treetop kind of thing in his yoga meditation robe doing some kind of meditation <laughs> getting a little bit self, uh, centered um and all of this is um overlaid with monologue from Korg, who's narrating the film but he doesn't re- narrate the entire film he kind of just bookends the film with narration mm. right at the beginning a little bit in the middle and then right at the end of the film um and so thor's kind of in a new place in his life and he's wanting to seek some inner peace um and he's in this like hippie robe um <laughs> takes it off throws it to that race to because the race kind of needs him to help out to settle the war because the guardians can't do it on their own mm. um and the whole thing is just yeah it's just a piece together um choreography of thor getting ready for battle after his meditation um and then the guardians kind of rolling their eyes when they see thor getting ready for battle mm. all these kind of like sequences is it's it's a little bit enjoyable like i like the fact that the guardians were reacting to mm. thor getting ready <laughs> rolling their eyes kind of kind of going oh my god you know this guy thinks he's the shit mm. <laughs> i guess he is the shit because he's he's thor right he's mm. he's a god and that's guardian god um and he's jacked he is jacked and i think this is like he's jacked because he's been working hard on his other business center right you seen uh, his fitness yeah, business? Yeah, yeah, called, yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Center. Yep. He's been working hard at that, and so I think him being an, the owner and also like a key ambassador for his own business, he's just putting in all the work mm. with his fitness company, and he's looking really, really good. He's looking and you know looking really good in shape. Um, but yeah, this and then the whole thing is like it goes from Guardians kind of doing their part, shooting a bunch of random um, aliens uh, to Thor just annihilating everybody and the way he annihilates everybody it's the kind of fighting choreography that sets the tone for the rest of the film mm. and it's i just did not like it what did you think about the choreography did you, well, let's talk about the fighting choreography did you feel like it was a um uh, an homage to like old like 90s action films like i do feel like it was very jean-claude van damme with the splits and the kick uh, oh just man when that top. happened i was like what am I watching? <laughs> it's yeah. Look, but at the same time, you, there's only so much uh, Thor smashing his hammer around everywhere and and whirling it around that you can take before sure. it's boring. So true, true. Maybe true. that's the take on it. Um, yeah. Look, it was funny and it was interesting. It wasn't like amazing. It wasn't like wow, that's great choreography. It was kind of like okay, this is cool. This is different. But that's what I kind of, and maybe that's because I, I kind of expect it because I knew it was a Taika film. It wasn't meant to be super serious and super like, oh, I'm Thor, the god of thunder. But it's more mm. like, you know, this is going to be silly. Um, so enjoy it for what it is. You obviously didn't like it, but <laughs> go, mm. tell us more. Yeah, the choreography, it was, it, I mean, it was just a visual fix. Thor just jumping from, you know, one place to another, which granted for the most part and all the films, including the Avenger films, like it's visual effects Thor. Mm. But I think it's just the way that 
the way that it was handled in the sequence, it was it was overly colorful and saturation. Mm. Um, he was kind of just flying and jumping around like a little bit like an idiot mm. um, because that's the kind of direction they want to take the character. Mm. Um, but I, I think the thing that just like really put me off was the whole splits thing. I was like, okay, they mm. really don't want to take this character serious at all. Like doing the splits like Van Damme. Mm. <laughs> and they held that shot for a long time. Mm. I was like, okay, I get it. You want him to be this like slapsticky parody, goofy character but mm. can we move on from this scene now like <laughs> he just held their splits for ages and i was like oh no <laughs> um and then and then sort of the end of that scene is uh tapered off with um korg's uh korg's monologue mm. he's, he's talking to the kids of asgard is it the kids of asgard he's talking to no it's not it's the kids of that planet right uh as in the kids that got um kidnapped i don't Really no, like, because remember, he's talking to the kids. He's telling the story to the kids. Right. I think it's, I, I think it is the kids on that planet. I just can't Because remember. he's on that planet, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about a story. No, I don't know. The yeah. Door. <laughs> that was actually pretty good, man. That's a good Kiwi accent. Thank you. Let me tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so distinct, Taika's voice. Mm. It's very distinct. Okay, so, so from there, we move on to... Um, Thor getting a distress signal from Sif. Um, and then on arrival, he goes to meet Sif on a planet. Cannot remember what the planet is called. Um, and Sif is just being defeated by Gore the God Butcher. And that god that's in the back, that big beastly god, I actually don't even name him. don't uh, know the name of that beastly god. It's uh, crap. The behemoth, right? Um... Yeah. I don't know, a big hate jog, which is straight out of the comics, by the way. Like, that whole shot is yeah. a, is sort of a comic spread. Yeah, that's comic, right. Where he, he goes up onto the mountain with Korg, and he sees the, the dead god in the background. Mm. Um, so he goes to this planet. It's like an icy planet. Um, and he sees Sif on the ground. She's She appears to be dead. Falagar. And, Sorry, Falagar. That's the name. Falagar. There you go. Falagar. Okay. Um, yeah, goes to Sif, appears to be dead, and this is when she tells him about Gore, and this is when sort of the story starts to unfold mm. uh, for what the rest of the movie is going to be. Um, even in this part, she she has her own comedic moment <laughs> with Thor. Mm. You know, when she's talking about like, oh, um, I'm I'm dying or something. It's okay because I get to go to Valhalla. Mm. And then he says, oh, Sif, you have to die in battle to get into Valhalla. Mm. Um, it's only your your arm that's been chopped off, so you're not dead or something like that. Mm. But maybe your <laughs> arm's in Valhalla, yeah. And maybe your arm's in Valhalla. And then and then her response is like, oh, damn it. And it, it, it kind of turned into that sketch comedy thing again. Mm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so it's like. You just know already up until this point is like the rest of the movie is not going to be very serious until mm. we come back to Gore the God Butcher mm. and also Jane um, because the next scene to follow directly after this is when Jane is in hospital with Darcy and this uh, this little exposition around her getting cancer I think it was really well written mm. you know they didn't straight up say it was cancer you know I think Darcy was saying things like um, you're on stage four <laughs> and then and then Jane says 
well, how many stages are there? And she's like, and then Darcy says, four. <laughs> that was funny. I was like, well, this is actually really good humor. It's it's funny for someone who's 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 in science and doesn't know that. Doesn't know that, yeah. That's yeah. That's the irony, and that's kind of why that's the kind of humor that they could have explored way more and mm. and built on in this movie. Um, but yeah, that's that's our little exposition about her getting cancer, and it's a, it should be um, a bit of a surprise for a lot of people who don't know the Jane Foster story becoming Mighty Thor in the comics because that's exactly what happens in the comics. She gets cancer, and the only way that she can um, defeat, can- well, not even defeat cancer, but not go through cancer in chemotherapy is when she wields uh, Mjolnir to get the power of Thor. Mm. Um, and that stops her getting cancer. But then on top of that, she, the cancer gets progressive, right? It gets progressive mm. while she's Thor. Uh, it um, doesn't, no, it keeps it at bay, but it doesn't stop it. It doesn't uh, reverse the effects. It just stops it. It just stops. It. Yeah. Oh, I thought it. I thought it just gets worse or something. Uh, I, think, I think because because her body's not like her body's not a human body. Yeah. Um, and the human body's supposed to be going through with it to potentially heal it. I think that's how I understood it. So I, I got a little bit confused about this because Thor says that every time you become Thor, mighty Thor, that it saps your body. But mm. from my understanding is that. She, it, Mjolnir was was protecting her from getting worse, but every time she was not Thor, that it would it, it would still progress. Mm. But maybe yeah. more what what Thor says is that that's in line with what happens in the movie because he tells her to stay in the hospital and not to come, and she makes that conscious choice. Says, "No, I'm going to go help him and still yep. die." So, right? Spoiler, but yeah, spoiler. Yeah, she dies, but she doesn't really die. Don't worry, she's coming back. No one really dies in Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> no one dies in Marvel. But how are you supposed to have believable stakes? It's true. It's true. It's a big criticism that Marvel movies get. It's like, oh, none of these characters actually die. <laughs> well, Cap is old. Except for somewhere. Tony. <laughs> well, Cap's old somewhere. But yeah. Cap's old somewhere and yeah. Tony's just dead. Yeah. He's the only one. And that's why it was the, it was the most majestic and honorable death. Mm. And that's why you had millions of... Of grown men crying. <laughs> mm. um, okay, so um, we get the whole Thor, uh, sorry, Jane Foster story. She has cancer. She's diagnosed with like terminal cancer. We don't know what that kind of cancer is, but it's just cancer. And she's seeking medical treatment. And it gets straight into her trying to figure out a solution for that kind of treatment because she's a scientist. She's trying to put her big brain to the test and how can she figure out a cure for cancer? And she kind of gives up. I, I like this whole scene where she's trying to figure it out as a scientist. Cause she's one of the, the most prolific scientists in her own field. Uh, and probably like the number one in her own field, I'd imagine. Right. Mm. Um, and sure enough, she's trying to figure out a solution, but she just can't. She, she, it's beyond her power. It's beyond her skill. And then she sort of glances over at the, um, as guardian books, the legendary books, mythological books that are from, um, what's his face? Dr. Selvig. Dr. Selvig. Um, And it's really cool to see him on screen. It would have been awesome to see him in this movie. Mm. Um, But he appears just in hologram form because he's talking to Jane and he's trying to give some advice or she's trying to seek some advice uh, about Asgardian magic and all that kind of stuff. And perhaps I can... It's like my last resort look at Asgardian magic. Mm. And then, of course, like um, she has the 
Well, she doesn't actually have the will to be able to get the thought. It was more get the thought, get the, get Mjolnir. It was more about Mjolnir protecting her, right? Because mm. that's what that's what gets explained a little bit later. Because part of my fear going into this film was like, how are they going to justify her? wielding the hammer in a plausible mm. sense like are we going to get enough backstory as to how she becomes worthy to get the hammer mm. and then it's it's quite a quick exposition when they kind of throw in there in the form of a past um action that he did with me you know he speaks to me and says um protect jane at all costs blah blah, blah. Mm. Mm. i was like all right cool i'll I'll, I'll give you that. But then, but then he does... <laughs> all convenient, but... <laughs> well, he, he does go also on to say that he couldn't wield it until he met Jane. And Jane, he said that Jane yeah. made him worthy. Yeah. So the question is, yeah. was she worthy in the first place? Yeah. But then it's also... It also makes me think, I was like, I mean, that's all really super convenient. for, <laughs> for You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, where was all of this in the previous Thor films? Where was yeah. all of this in the in the previous, like... Avengers films. I mm. mean, you're just kind of throwing things to make it convenient. But I'm I'm willing to forgive that. I'm willing to pass it. Like I'm like, all right, cool. So give me like let us focus on the major stories and rekindle that relationship and really explore that and and let's start to, you know, let's start to juggle this like dramatic tension between the two of them. Which was also quite rushed. But mm. yeah. So she gets the hammer. Um, <laughs> and when she's wielding the hammer, um, it's all in pieces, you know, so she magically puts it back together. What did you think about this whole <laughs> Mjolnir getting reformed because she's able to now be worthy for it? Um, I, I, I... Because Thor couldn't do that before. Yeah, I didn't really think about it to that extent, but now that you mention it, Mm. <laughs> it's like why <laughs> why why she has the same kind of worthiness to pick up the hammer yeah you know and for for whatever reason she has the power to be able to bring it back together it's also kind of another convenient thing for the for the hammer to work for her. well i think this is where the whole sentience comes in being a sentient weapon um feeling that she's in need in dire circumstances to protect her. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Could be a long shot. But pretty convenient, isn't it? Yeah, it's convenient. <laughs> but then it's Taika, you know what I mean? So like if it was like someone like Brana doing it, I don't think that would have happened. If Taika's able to do Van Damme slips and splits in this movie, yeah. of course she's gonna be able to like yeah. bring the, bring the hammer back together with no explanation. Uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting. And then it was, it was, I, I didn't really care for her having the power to like, um, re-atomize the, mm. the, the hammer to, as some kind of new power and then like, that was, and then bring it back together. That's it was cool. cool. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a cool effect, but it was like, all right, I guess you could just do that all the time. Um, it was a cool little effect, but I just, I think it just comes back to like, okay. Well, well Thor couldn't too, do it. Yeah, Thor couldn't do it. He couldn't even like, couldn't even put put it back together. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we we go through all that. Thor arrives in New Asgard just as Gore starts attacking the town, 
with the shadow creatures and all that kind of stuff. He's surprised to find Foster with Mjolnir, but nevertheless teams up with her Valkyrie and Korg to fight Gore. Now, when Gore comes into the new Asgard, um, this scene I thought it was so well handled with the creepiness with all the shadows getting out mm. and they all become these kind of shadow monsters. I was like, oh, this is this feels very fantasy, feels very sci-fi, feels really kind of like almost like Alien meets Harry Potter. <laughs> right. <laughs> it felt like that. And I was like, Well, oh, this is cool. I love the I love the shadow monsters. It's a cool idea. And then you have like you have Gore, God the Butcher, lurking in the background in this pale costume, pale skin. Mm-hmm. Looks so creepy. Mm-hmm. Look like a character that you'd probably see in The Conjuring or something. Yes. I'm like, oh, this Actually, is that's so a really good. good. Yeah, that's a really good comment. That it did remind me a bit of the Nun, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like super evil. Yeah. You, know, you just look at that person like this dude sleeps with evil. <laughs> it's like it's really creepy and i wanted them to really go through with that evil creepiness and i think they did well with the gore part um but it would have been cool to just see him like slam down even more Mm. that teleportation thing into the ground that he was doing i was like holy shit oh yeah this is like raiden from (laughs) from mortal kombat (laughs) from mortal kombat you know what i mean yeah um I was like, man, I want to see him do more of that. I wanted to see him slam down more, like, you know, pull Thor into, like, the ground or something like that and then mm. come back up and do an uppercut. Man, that would have been <laughs> insane. Uh, but, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like, and Thor was getting it handed to him, you know. He was, like, quite powerless when the shadow monsters were holding him back and all mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. What do you think about that whole scene? No, no, I enjoyed it. Like, I, I did feel like uh, he was a little bit at has met his match. I don't know if that's the right phrase that I wanted to say, but um, he didn't, he genuinely felt like he didn't know what to do quite yet. But then uh, you could see that when Gore was trying to reach for the, for Stormbreaker that he's like, you know, he got obviously revved up and said, don't touch my things. And then just rages out of that. So it, it was more of a Gore now needed to take a smarter approach of how to get the weapon rather than just brute force. So, you know, in, in, and that's the thing, like, it's not like Gore was a bad person. He just became a bad person because he was corrupted. So, mm. yep. uh, and like we talk about this, like a lot of the Marvel villains aren't necessarily bad people to start. Like they've just turned into a villain. Mm. Yeah. Um, because without the Necrosword, he wasn't a bad person. So, yeah. 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 Um, and and tragedy and loss does a lot of crazy things to people. Mm. Um, and this is kind of the humanization that we get with these alien-like characters or god-like characters that helps us as audience members to connect with. And so um, I, can, I can, you know, sort of sympathize with um, Gore the God Butcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've never lost a child because I've never had one. Mm. <laughs> but, but I can imagine that it'll be it, it'll change you. It'll change mm. you as a person, whereas a different race in the in his case. Yeah. Um. So after this whole Asgard scene, um, they then travel to Omnipotent City because Thor gets this idea of like how we need to we need to recruit the best of the best. Mm. <laughs> when he said he wanted to recruit the best heroes. And I knew they were eventually talking about Olympus City. Well, I thought it was Olympus City. Mm. In this movie, it's called um, Omnipotent City. 
to go because this is the city where all the gods, all the strongest gods exist. Mm. And I knew they were leading to that, but but my first thought was like, dude, you know Captain Marvel, man. Like you know Doctor Strange. Mm. Well, it's, <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are you not hitting those yeah, guys that's up? That's a good point, actually. You know what I mean? Like if if they. You, you don't have to always explain where the Marvel characters are. Absolutely. I've never been, mm. I've never been one to criticize them for not mentioning where they were the other characters, because there was always usually a good reason or AKA a distraction for us to not have to tap into all those powerful characters. Mm. Like, you know what they're doing with the Disney plus series. There's no real need for us to criticize the fact that, Oh, you could have got the help of Captain Marvel. You could have got the help of Spider-Man because time location circumstances doesn't really require that but then Mm -hmm. in this case like he is thor one of the original six avengers Mm -hmm. right he knows he knows how powerful his team can be he can't get cap anymore he can't get iron man anymore because i'm his dead but he knows dr strange and he knows captain marvel so Mm -hmm. when he says we need to recruit the strongest people and he then he talks about the strongest gods i'm like you could you could have changed that line. That line could have been so different. That line could have been like, "Hey, um, I don't know, mention his father, and then his father maybe told him a story about Omnipotent City, something like that, right? Mm. That kind of that kind of distracts us distracts us from thinking, oh, he could have just got Captain Marvel. You know, I just think it could have been written much more cleverly because because the first thing I thought about when he said round up the strongest people, I'm like, ah. Uh, Captain Marvel, mm. <laughs> Captain Marvel, you know, mm. uh, yeah. But then we go to Omnipotent City, um, and then we get to meet Zeus and all these other random gods within Omnipotent City. Um, I'm going to throw it at you. What, mm. Tell me about Omnipotent City and all the different gods. In, in what respect? So I, I did notice. Uh, how did you think? Like this is a big chunk of the film. Oh. It stands out quite a bit. I- and this is a this is a chunk of the film that I just thought was a waste of time, mm. and it was a waste of real estate, like valuable storytelling real estate. They could have just completely got rid of this, and the movie would have still been the same. Mm. Um, and they could have spent way more time on Gore's character, okay. way more time on Jane and Thor. Yeah. So, so let's look at why they were going there, there, right? So they were going there to enlist the help of, or go to Zeus and, and enlist the help of other other gods, right? Because they wanted to rally all the gods. Because I think that the the sense of urgency that they were trying to bring forth was that it's not killing Avengers, it's killing gods. So we want to sure. rally the gods together. So logically it would make sense to get gods, gods. to kill them. Yep. Yeah. Or at least rally together to stop him. And... Uh, and, and I think what they're doing here is, or what they wanted to, to achieve is introduce all the possible gods that, or there is a place where gods exist and they all rally together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you do see things like the celestials, some celestials in like in the in the city. You do hear them drop names like Hercules and Quetzalcoatl. And there was another one that I can't remember who they said. But mm. now knowing that this place exists, this has now made the universe even bigger. Right, mm-hmm. um, I do agree with the whole. It was a little bit of a long MacGuffin that they did, but they had mm-hmm. to do that to set up. Uh, I won't get to that yet, but they wanted to get his thunderbolt, which I never understood as to why, and or maybe I missed that in the movie. They explained why they needed to get Zeus's thunderbolt. 
<laughs> is that um i think they wanted to get i don't know if they do explain it it's probably, obviously requires another watch to kind of um really know but i think to get the thunderbolt was because that was the only way that you could kill someone with a necro sword i don't know maybe it was the only way that you could kill someone like gore the god butcher I actually don't even know. <laughs> it just yeah. seems absurd because cause it seems like you're just replacing uh, another weapon. You're mm. replacing like a key weapon to kill a lot of a lot of like creatures and gods like the like Stormbreaker. Mm. And also you got Mjolnir. Uh, you're just replacing that to just a Thunderbolt that we don't really know has like we don't know what kind of powers it has. So mm. I don't know. It was it was very bizarre. But I mean the whole Zeus thing was just really bizarre. I think, you know, they're, they're taking the piss out of gods, like, isn't this supposed to be, like, this whole, like, oh, we're strong and powerful and we, uh, what's the word, you know, we exact our vengeance on who we wish. It's almost like everyone's just, like, human in a way, like, they're lazy, they're fat, they're imperfect. Because I think the the common trope is that gods are perfect, gods are powerful, but you look at this, like, these are Russell Crowe playing a, a fat Greek <laughs> con, con the fruiterer kind of type uh character who doesn't really care um mm. it was an interesting take but it's showing that there was so many and maybe there's something there that i didn't pick up on but there was so many different gods from different you know galaxies or whatever that whatever they represent um to see where that will take that in the future and you can see as they fly you see the celestials um but where are they going to take it in the future i'm not sure so yeah. you know what like I, I kind of agree with you like that MacGuffin did I think it had a purpose it probably was drawn out a, a bit long but they also had mm. that little talk uh, before they get into the Colosseum where Jane and Thor are having their you know oh like you know how long has it been and da 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 so mm. yeah yeah um, yeah yeah city just in like it's it took up way too much space, and it didn't really need to be there. If mm. they wanted to, if they wanted to recruit the gods, they could have spent way less time than they did on Omnipotent City. You know, it could have been like a quick dialogue sequence between Zeus, granted a, a more serious Zeus, and not this kind of um, silly buffoon mm. <laughs> that Zeus was. Mm. It's like you know, even when he's doing his uh, his random choreography with the with the um, the bolt, mm. the bolt. The thunderbolt he's mm. like but uh he's 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 obviously not doing anything it's just like a complete mockery like mm. there's no way that this is just funny <laughs> oh because he's like, like yeah yeah you want to borrow the boat and he's going to borrow the boat and no. he does this whole thing and this is no yeah and he just says no and then it goes flying up into like the apex of his chair or whatever it is mm. yeah, it's just so odd man it's just absolutely so odd it's like russell is just like He's having, he, they're probably having so much fun. All of those actors are probably having the time of their life. But of course, you're going to have the time of your life when you're having to do like spoof stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's very spoofy and it's very goofy and spoofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and man, I, I, I like characters like Zeus and all these mythological mythological gods. Like they're really cool characters. You know, Poseidon. Um, uh, I was going to say Ra. <laughs> Ra. Ra's 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 no. Uh, I don't know. Like, no, no, the sun god? Apollo. Uh, like, you know, Apollo, Poseidon, Cyrus, Hercules, yeah. 
Osiris, yeah. Like all these gods are really cool. And, and one of my favorite interpretations of these types of gods is uh, the Henry Cavill movie, The Immortals. Oh, um, I don't I know if seen you that. saw that. No, it. I haven't seen that. It's not a amazing movie. I do enjoy it. I just think the um, creative direction for that whole pathos is really cool. Like the way they did those, the gods in there. Awesome. Uh, Luke Evans plays Zeus. Um, mm. Poseidon is played by the, the dude from um, Twilight who plays. Oh, I think I've I seen remember, who, who, I you know, like the big kind of jockey blonde yeah. guy. He plays Poseidon. Yeah. And I like, it's just the creative direction they have for these, for these gods and the, and the costumes look awesome, dude. Like they, they're all like in their little kind of floating city above mm. the world, you know? Mm. And then there's this really cool scene. I'm kind of spoiling it for you. It's <laughs> a really cool scene where Poseidon, he he sees something happening by the humans and he wants to like intervene, but they're not supposed to intervene, mm. like according to Zeus's orders. Mm. Zeus says to all the gods, you cannot intervene. Mm. Um, but Poseidon just decides to intervene. <laughs> mm. And he he flies down, like he kind of zooms down like freaking Superman. And as he's getting closer and closer to Earth, he, he does this loud scream and just does this crazy dive into the ocean and creates a tsunami. <laughs> Freaking wicked, dude, bro. Like the whole, like the way it's shot and the costumes and all the characters that are playing these gods, they look awesome. There's this whole fight scene at the end with the gods. Oh, it's, I feel like watching it now. <laughs> okay. We'll come back to that. You should, see it. You should to... see it. It's not a great film. Like just what, it's not a great film, but it's enjoyable and the gods are awesome. Okay. We'll come back. Anyway, to, back to back, back to, to the core. mediocre gods. Then only played Sydney. So yeah, this whole scene is it's quite long. It's very dragged out. Zeus, Russell Crowe, blah 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 blah. Um, and then from here, we we should probably like jump straight to when he eventually meets um, Gore the God Butcher again because he only has two encounters with Gore, right? Well, technically three, including the end, right? The, but the two encounters is really on Asgard. And then after that, it's on Shadow Planet. Yep. Shadow Realm. Shadow Realm. Shadow Realm. Shadow Planet. Shadow Realm. Yep. He's on the Shadow Realm. So let's talk about Shadow Realm for, for a bit. Mm. Know, they all, both him, sorry, Thor, Valkyrie, Korg, uh, Jane, they all are on the ship. Can't remember the name of the ship, but it's got the. The goat boat. The, the, the scream, the goat boat, the, the screaming goat boat. goats. I thought the goats were funny. Mm. It was quite hilarious. A bit over the top because it just kept going. I, I, Probably didn't need uh, more. I didn't need all of what we got. Um, but right at the beginning, it was definitely funny with the mm. screaming goats. Ah! Mm. <laughs> I wonder whose scream that was. That's a good question, actually. Mm. It's probably like it's probably super meta, and it's probably like Chris Hemsworth scream. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty hilarious. But it was it was way over the top though because it kept going and kept going. I was like, all right, we don't need them to scream. Anymore, just <laughs> um, so screaming boat, screaming goat boat takes us into the shadow realm, and this whole shadow realm is all done in monochromatic um, uh, color palette, which is awesome. I love mm. a good monochromatic scene, man. Very, very. The only things, very, yeah, very Sin City. I think it looks better than Sin City. I think whoever's doing the cinematography for this. And especially the color, the color grading team, they did mm. an awesome job with this monochromatic stuff. Um, because not everything is like super contrasty. There's still enough like there's many different 
there's many different layers of gray, mm. layers of like off white and slightly off black kind of thing. It was awesome to look at. And then you got splashes of pop color that jumps up as well. Mm. It's, it's very arbitrary, I think, what they do with the pop colors. I don't know exactly <laughs> what the rules were with the pop colors because mm. like, I, I thought it might have just been the power that they have. But there are times when, not times, but like the Thunderbolt was in color. But there are times where like um, Thor's shoulder pads were in color. But then it wasn't in color. I, I didn't understand what the rules were. I was like, oh, right. is it just like random? Is this just really for like artistic uh, splash? <laughs> like I, I enjoyed it. Like I think it's it's nice. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. It's It looks really awesome. I think the whole sequence was, was really well done. Um, mm. But I just wanted the fighting to be a bit more like extravagant. I don't know. Like oh. the fighting between Gore and... And the rest of them were like, cool. <laughs> I just uh... it wasn't it wasn't like oh wow. I, I feel like I should have been wowed by the fighting, but it was just okay. Yeah, but I mean, he's not necessarily a warrior. He's just corrupted by the sword. So yeah, I'm yeah, just. Uh... I really wanted somebody to lose a limb, though. <laughs> well, he did lose an eye. Remember already? He did lose an eye, but a real, but it would have been really cool to see like. I don't know, Valkyrie lose a limb. <laughs> well, she gets stabbed. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. you're asking for a lot. she gets stabbed on the side. <laughs> but, you know, with a sword, it's like, let's see some, like, limbs lost. Someone get a leg chopped off or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, now you're just being too... You're getting spoiled now. You're just like, you want everything. Which is... Which is it's, just, it's like you were saying before, and this is not at you, but, like, I kind of feel like Marvel fans are becoming the same fandom as Star Wars. And it's kind of like, People are becoming very upset if they're not getting what they want. And when they do, they still have something to complain about. <laughs> yeah. This this goes back to what I was saying before, is that it's gonna it's always gonna be a huge challenge for Marvel to try and up the ante on, on all all types of things, right? I mean, the fact that none of them lose limbs, like I I don't care that much if they don't lose limbs, but yeah. <laughs> but it's um it is gonna be very difficult for Marvel to like change change like Change some ideas. Give, give us some something new. Give us something fresh. Because mm. the same thing over and over again is going to get tired, and it's, it's the same thing as like what's happening with uh, Star Wars. Mm. Um, but some of the standout Star Wars content is things like the Mandalorian. Yes, it's it's familiar, but it's different, right? Yes, Marvel needs to still be familiar. Like you cannot change the Marvel identity because that'll defeat the purpose. Yes. But you can give us some new stuff and. You know, if that requires going into the past, then go into the past. Mm. Show us something that we wanted to see back in phase one and phase two that we didn't get. You know, Mm. that'll be cool. That'll be interesting. Um, How far you go with that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, So after this whole monochromatic scene, um, I can't remember how it actually ends. (laughs) Um, But it's sort of... I guess it sort of ends where Valkyrie gets stabbed. Um, they take her back. He loses. They take her back. He loses Stormbreaker. He yeah. He loses Stormbreaker because because um, Stormbreaker. We find out that Stormbreaker is actually the key to eternity, and we also find out that Gore's end goal is to get to eternity to grant life 
to his daughter again. It, it was to kill the gods, but he changed. Oh, sorry, to, to kill the gods. To, to Cod. kill the gods. Cods. All the to fish. kill the gods. All the fish. All yeah. the fish. Anyway. All the fish. All the fish. Um, yeah. Um, so it was cool that that was the whole, um, the, the sort of secondary purpose to his, to his character. Um, they get back to Earth and then they, and we, Jane then tells, oh no, Jane's already told Thor about her cancer and then she's kind of getting worse. She's She drops the hammer and she's now looking like a zombie on the bed. And we get a little bit of that fish out of water from Thor, which is really cool. It's it's That's the kind of humor that I really enjoy seeing in Thor because he is a fish out of water. Mm. You know, it's when he's he's standing in front of the vending machine Mm. He just smashes it, comes <laughs> back with a bunch of items. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, that that bloody fridge door. Like, oh, that bloody fridge didn't have a door. Like, yeah, yeah. That? <laughs> see, see, that stuff is natural to him. Mm. Not him being a goof. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so, like, there's a really dramatic scene between him and Jane, which is awesome. There's some really good emotion there. Um, but it doesn't quite hit home for me because it's 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 – kind of quickly switches in tone mm. into more of the goofy humor that is all throughout the movie. Mm. Um, and then eventually like he comes up with an idea to um, get to where he needs to go. How does he, I can't remember. How does he find out? Oh, sorry. He uses the power of um, uh, what's his name? Hamdul. Hamdul. Yeah, yeah. Hamdul. Hamdul. Um, taught him which is getting into the into the minds or something of, we're using of the eyes yeah using, the, using eyes. the eyes yeah and then finding out where they're actually going mm. and that's how he tracks them to wherever that place is that eventually gets to the center of the universe mm. so let's just talk about that part because the <laughs> the episode is is getting pretty long this whole last fight sequence in the majestic hall with all the statues of the gods. Oh, the, sorry, not the gods. All the, the living tribunal. Um, the living tribunal, all the other cosmic beings. Um, Eternity's uh, sis- sister? I can't remember Eternity's sister's name. Starts with E, right? It'll, com- it'll come to me. It will come to me. <laughs> but Eternity has a sister, and together they have like the most enormous cosmic power. <laughs> Infinity? No. Infinity. There you go. Yeah, Infinity. So, Infinity and Eternity are brother and sister. And there's a statue of her, like, mm. way, way in the back. Mm. You, you can see the Living Tribunal, which I think is on the right-hand side of the of the frame. And then Infinity is all the way, like, at the back somewhere. Mm. Um, so, Thor has an idea to use the kids as help, <laughs> I guess, to... Um, to defeat Gore mm. um, by whispering into Mjolnir. No, yeah, into Mjolnir, right? Yeah, I think he has Mjolnir at that time. Does he? No. Yes. What does he have? Yeah, because he doesn't have Stormbreaker. And yeah, then he whispers like... Oh, no, like he's into the worthy, bolt. Yeah, for a limited into time. Into the bolt. For limited yeah. time only. That also didn't really make any sense. And then he just passes the power over to the kids and then they become... Thors, I guess, like yeah, miniature like Thors. mini Thors. Yeah, um, that was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, this is a spoiler if you haven't watched the ending of Buffy, but B- 
Buffy does the same thing in terms of instead of one person being a, a slayer for each generation, she mm-hmm. makes every female being a slayer. And uh, it kind of felt like that. But I think the whole play on it is like, you know, oh, you can have godlike powers, but only for now. <laughs> and then you'll take it back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very, very odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think yeah. I think they, I think that drive is because I'm sure they wouldn't have approved for any kids to be killed in a Marvel movie. And secondly, mm-hmm. it kind of gives kids a little bit of hope. It's like, oh, you know, like, oh, I can be a god for a day or, you know. Not that they will be, but, you know, they can always dream and hope, and that is always a good thing to sell into a movie. I, I, yeah, I understand the logic of that. But is it great? Nah. <laughs> it was just so cringe, man. All these kids, like, fighting. They all had powers, and none of them are getting hurt. And I'm like, what, what is the movie uh, rated? Is it PG? I think it's PG. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe if it was M, but, yeah, no. No. Yeah, and I mean, so that was really all in an, an attempt to try and um, fight against Gore, and then Jane shows up. Um, uh, yeah, she shows up at the at kind of her own will and power to be able to do something about you know her her last efforts of purpose in life, which is to fight alongside Thor, which I think is a nice little moment between the two characters, mm-hmm. and it really. The, the conflict that they have together, which is Thor doesn't want her to die, so she needs a heal, but she sees it as her last moment to, to live life, which is kind of cool. That whole emotional tension between the two characters is, is great, and mm. there's, some, there's some meaning behind it. And then, and then it brings meaning to them partnering up and trying to defeat Gore, which is awesome. Mm. And, then it, and then it gets led to um, them getting into the center of the universe through, and you, you can see the the living physical manifestation of eternity, yep, which is really cool. And he goes to say his wish at eternity. Um, and then, as like up until this point, Gore the God Butcher was such a cool character. And then all of a sudden mm. the turn of events and him going, Oh, you're right, Thor. <laughs> I should not do this. Mm. <laughs> it was such a leap. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't, yeah, all right, well, don't really get that, but okay, sure, I guess it's because of the end of the movie. Mm. <laughs> it just would have been great for, I don't know, like Gorda just die eventually and then and then maybe not even bring the daughter back, just mm. die with the daughter, just die, whatever, like I don't, I don't see the need in bringing in another character who's the daughter who ends up being an, an Aussie chick. Like, she's an Aussie little girl. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. What's his daughter, isn't it? It's his daughter, yeah. but he's not an Aussie accent in the film. Oh, right, yes. Oh, sorry, sorry. Are, are you talking about Chris Hemsworth's daughter? Yes. Yeah, I think it's his daughter in yeah, real life. Yeah, India Rose, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but it just didn't, like... Like, we didn't really hear what her accent was because she was so subtle in the way she was communicating to her dad. Right. And it was very quiet. It was very somber. But then at the end, when she's just acting as herself i was like oh it's just her aussie accent it's an aussie kid mm. <laughs> i was like all right okay sure um i, I think it would yeah. have been interesting if thor fought gore to to wish for jane to be um resurrected or re- healed but it's an interesting mm. twist that he actually goes no i'm gonna spend my last moments with her instead yeah so yep. It's almost like it's almost like Thor gave up in in terms of pursuing Gore because he'd already gotten mm. in, 
but he did nothing mm-hmm. to stop her, but he already knew that Jane was more of a priority. And I think that's where yep. the whole romantic side of the movie came in, rather than being like, oh, yep. let's fight to the death or whatever. It's it's a nice little moment, but it's also a little bit dismissive to the stakes of, yeah. I guess, the greater universe, right? Because yeah. yeah. you're like, well, you were so hell-bent on killing this guy, now you're taking priority over Jane, whereas like a true hero would just make that sacrifice and not spend that last moment. Mm. Um, but then you could justify it by saying, well, he hasn't, seen jane and he's had feelings for her for seven years blah blah blah, eight months whatever he says right Mm. (laughs) and you know that's a big loss in his life so i can understand the justification to for him to make that decision but it also kind of comes back to well if he's a true hero and the the heroism in a hero is that he makes those great grave sacrifices and it it gives a lot more depth and meaning to him as a hero Mm. even if it's gonna tear him up for the next five or ten years, right? Mm. Like knowing that he wanted to make the decision to spend the last time, last moments with Jane. Mm. It just, as in terms of a story and in terms of the like the responsibilities for a hero, it would have been better for him to take out Gore. Yeah, but it ended the way it ended, and whatever. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't add or take away from the rest of the silliness of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Just, yeah, just, so. just seeing some of these reviews saying that you know it, uh, the movie's an utter mess and that it fails to satisfy and it's actually getting <laughs> up there oh so i shouldn't say getting up there but getting down there like eternals is still the lowest rated mcu film at 47 percent yeah uh then you got like right. incredible hulk thor dark world and then there's thor love and thunder so it's actually like yeah in the bottom five Mm. do you agree it's pretty tough uh i mean i would have to think about my ranking again there's 29 movies after all so mm. i have to think about my ranking again um but we're running like pretty crazy for time right now oh yeah 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 <laughs> um let's think about a rating here what would you rate this out of 10 after after now talking about it and and seeing more problems with it i'd probably knock it down a little bit um, I think I originally had, I can't remember what I gave Strange, Doctor Strange 2. Um, I think I might have given that a 7 point something, um, maybe a 5, I, I don't remember. But I think this, I originally had it above Strange, so I had it maybe 7.8. But now that we've talked about it a bit more, its cohesiveness and, and its problems kind of knock it down. Uh, whilst it's still an enjoying ride, I probably wouldn't watch it again. Um, unless it was some specific Easter egg that I missed, um, seven point two for me. Mm. You? Well, this movie has the highest highs mm. and the lowest lows. Mm. The highest highs for me is Jane Foster story, the Gore the God Butcher, and the lowest lows is everything else, which is just an unfortunate mm. mess of tone, silly jokes. Mm. Um. And just a story that didn't quite, it, it didn't come together the way it should have. Mm. Like none of the emotional ideas that they put on the table ever really land. Um, and these these core concepts around around evil and the death of someone like you know Jane and Jane Foster. These are big big ideas. They just didn't really land them, and they didn't mm. really commit to them because it was always it was always transitioning into like a really silly scene of them being idiots and, yeah. and the butt of jokes. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, uh, out of ten, I give this four. Wow, four for Thor. <laughs> four for Thor. Four for Thor. Thor. Four. Wow. <laughs> four Thor. Thor four. It's like one one for each uh, each main. Oh, character. one for each main character. Yeah, they yeah. Um. All right, man. Well, let's let let's wrap this up. When are we going to see you next on Legit Cool Podcast? Depends on what we got. What coming up? What, what's the next? Uh, uh, what's the next? Uh, oh, we need to do Obi Wan Kenobi. That's what we need. We to do. have not done that yet. No. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna rewatch the uh, the Kai Patterson film edit, which is the two and a half yep. uh, hour movie edit. Ah, uh, yes, I see you sent that. I'll, yeah. I'll check. I'll check that out as well. And we will be back soon. Thank you for having. We'll be me. back soon. Thank you for jumping on, man. Where can everyone find you on? On the World Wide Web. On the World Wide Web. You'll probably most find me on Instagram at jc.me. It's J-A-S-E-Y dot M-E. Um, and you'll find, uh, you know, dance videos and other random stuff on there. <laughs> and where, where can people nice. find you, River? So my personal Instagram is at Rivervilli, V-I-L-I, on Instagram. And Legit Cool Podcast is at Legit Cool Podcast, also on Instagram. And on Facebook, you can find Legit Cool Podcast under Legit Cool Podcast Movie Talk. Easy. Um, and we will see, not see, but <laughs> you will hear from us very, very soon on upcoming movies and TV series. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. See you guys again. Cheers. Cheers.